Hello everyone and welcome back to Blended. I'm joined by another brand new group of professionals and today we are talking about seniority in a company. Now seniority is often the goal for many of us on our career journeys, but not everyone makes it for a variety of different reasons. How do people hit those senior roles and what are the challenges, benefits, bias of climbing the career ladder? How do senior roles impact men and women differently and what does senior leadership look like through a minority lens? We're going to be diving into these big questions today, along with so much more. So welcome, Stephanie, Shay, David, and Cindy, who made a brief appearance, and they're all going to share their experiences and advice with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. So I'd like to introduce each one of you. Uh, Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you identify. Cindy, I'm going to start with you. Hi, my name is Cindy, and I am, am a longtime customs broker, but also um, have owned my own business, entrepreneur, founder, uh, all of those things. Uh, people put different titles on things. Uh, I'm not sure if any of them actually count anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're um, talking about today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm i uh, currently working on my next startup and uh, looking forward to seeing that roll out. Uh, and um, yeah, yeah, that's that's about it, right? I love that. And did you want to say anything about how you identify? Oh, uh, my my pronouns for uh, are are she her. Um, although for <laughs> I I like a little quip from a a person that I see online who's always like, well, my pronouns are actually I and me. So <laughs> I love translating that, that uh, to a third party, I, I guess is is what we do now is is how you would refer to you when you're actually not there. So <laughs> anyway, I love that. I love that. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm looking forward to talking to you a little bit more about this topic. So next up is Shay. Shay, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Um, so I'm Shay Abrahams. I'm the senior event manager at the General of Commerce, um, a part of SP Global. Um, we are in the shipping, container shipping um, and supply chain logistics industry. Um, and uh, I identify as she, her. I'm also obsessed with fitness. Um, I'm a young black woman who lives near London in Surrey. And I'm married with, with uh, yeah, a, a big, a husband who's also somewhat sometimes like a child. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mother in training. <laughs> I love that though, because that makes life a lot of fun, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. Now, you and I are on the DEI's Honors Committee together for Journal of Commerce, and we've done a lot of work in the last couple of years around this. And we've been throwing some ideas at, at you guys for next year. So I'm excited to see what's to come and excited to have you part of the conversation. So thank you. David, you're up next. Tell us who you are and what you do and how you identify. Hi, Sarah. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me today. Really great to be here. So my name's David Lass and I head up procurement for Logitech. Uh, what that really means is that my team and I deal with our suppliers. We make sure we have the best partners that we're working with, best pricing, uh, performance, managing risk, et cetera. Um, but really exciting is that we also make sure that those suppliers are sharing our values around looking to make the world a better place, looking to drive forward equality and environment, uh, our core values at Logitech and making, making a positive impact there. That's, that's really exciting. 
Uh, and, and that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning. I think the real me, very separate to that, the real me, I'm a frustrated uh, barbecuer. If you see the real me at the weekend, it will it will just be in the back garden with the barbecue, playing football or soccer for the for our US audience with, with our kids. Um, that's the real me, very different to, to the Monday to Friday me. And then I think the identification question, it's an interesting one because I'm not really sure what I do identify as, but but I'll tell you what I what I feel about my role in the world is that I was born with many advantages. Like I've got white male privilege, was born in a very settled, developed country, had parents that did everything for me that they could to give me every opportunity in life. All of that has led me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's this idea of privilege guilt and I, some people may experience that, but I don't really see what you can do with a privilege guilt. But what I do feel is, I'm where I am because of that privilege. It's absolutely on me to then pay that forward. And I think that's that's certainly what drives me in my per, in, in my work. I, I don't know if that's what I identify as, but that's certainly what I see as a, as a role. I've had so much benefit. What I can do is try and pass that on. That is uh, so great for you to share that. Thank you so much for sharing it. I mean, we we talk about it, we hear about it, but we also wanna see people taking action and being, you know, part of the change. And that's what you just shared with us. So I'm super excited for you to be here today. Thank you so much. And last but absolutely not least, Steph. Hi, I'm Steph and I'm the founder of People First Workplace. I'm a leadership transformation coach. And prior to being a leadership transformation coach, I had a 20 year career as a senior exec, as a CFO. And so sort of my mission in life now, if you like, is to change the world of um, leadership in the workplace and make it much more empathetic and leading with integrity. And I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss some of that later. So it'll be great to contribute towards that. And I also look at um, people's physical health as well and the well-being, because I think that's really important to actually their overall overall health. And um, in terms of me, myself, I am a stepmom of two grown-up children and grandchildren. I'm a wife of 18 years, partner of 28 to the same person. But um, And in my spare time, I actually like the outdoors. So I go walking quite a lot. And I'm also a fishing woman, which, again, is a bit unusual. And in terms of how I identify... I actually don't like to use labels and that cuts across everything I do and and how I actually speak about other people because I don't like to label. Um, and I know that could be a bit controversial and I've certainly had many difficult conversations with my friends because of that um, because I'm normally the person who's straight in there when they start. And, and just a, a recent example without talking to friends and um they described a large family that were nearby us as the Asian family. And that just got my goat because they were the only large family in the room. And so why, why was there a label associated with the color of their skin as an example? Um, and the, in the same with neurodivergency, I, I just, you know, I, I don't like it. Yeah. I just don't like labels. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I know that today we're going to, part of the discussion today is around titles and how we put so much emphasis on titles in the workplace or even labels in our personal life. And uh, so we're going to get into that discussion. 
So I want to start off the conversation by asking the question, what is seniority? What does that mean to you? Because I think we all have a varying different perspectives, uh, depending on the roles that we've played in our career, what that career journey has looked like. And so I'm interested to see. And so, David, I'm going to get you to kick us off, because before we hit the record button, you had uh, quite a quite a perspective on this. So kick us off on that. It's an interesting question, and I think my perspective on it is probably provided by, in my sort of 10 or so years at Logitech, I've been at a variety of different levels of seniority in my time at Logitech, and I've, I've certainly been on a journey of understanding what exactly is seniority during that time too. And I think in where I sit now, I very much think it's about empowerment to make an impact to your organisation, to your industry, or even to the wider world. It's about that you should have the tools at your disposal to make that impact. There's a kind of formal, there's a formal power that goes with that. Um, but what I really didn't understand at first is that with that seniority, you can only do really, you, you can give your tool, you, you can give your team the tools, the oxygen, the space, you can empower them to make the impact. It's the team that do the impact, really. There's, there's only so much that I can do myself as a leader. You can give them that environment to make an impact. And I think that was a really big learning for me. Like when I when I first went from individual to manager, I thought my role was actually to protect people in my team from, from what issues are going on in the business or in the wider industry, kind of you know, try and take some of that weight off their shoulders. And on one level, that's true. But I think, you know, in others, quite the opposite. Like I think you need to give your team the chance to, to learn. And the way you learn and develop is by be, that, that sort of feeling you have when you're in a slightly uncomfortable situation or you're not quite sure what to do. That's when the magic happens. That's when you're developing. And I think it's really important from a seniority standpoint that you're giving your people those growth opportunities. So I totally misunderstood, I think, in my earlier career, what seniority meant in terms of empowering our people. Mm -hmm. And I'm beginning to learn that now, but but still it's really hard not to play that rescuer role sometimes. It's really hard to, to give people the freedom to do what they need to do. And, you know, me jumping in because I think I can do something better is absolutely not the answer. So, so I think where I round all that off is the sort of free thinking that is easier when you have a title about why do we do it this way? Shouldn't we do it that way? Can we change doing how we're, how we're doing something? I think all leaders want more junior people in the organization to be coming to, to them with those ideas. But the kind of formal hierarchy and sort of deference of seniority really kind of throttles that, I think. And it's, um again, it's part of a part of someone in a senior role. You need to be unlocking some of those ideas. So it's um it's been a journey for me to learn. And, and I've been lucky that I've been at multiple different levels in quite a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely been a learning experience for me. Well, and I think that's all part of it, right? I think it's a journey. I don't know if it's necessarily a destination. Things are changing all the time. I think we're learning things about ourselves. We're learning things about other people. Um, and it's not necessarily something that you can put in a box and just learn out, out of the gate, right? Um, so I appreciate you for sharing that. Shay, what do you think? What is seniority to you? To me, it's quite simple. It's it's based on, you know, the level that you hold in a particular organization. Um, I think it's very different to leadership, which anyone at any level, in my opinion, can be a leader. Um, and not everyone that is uh, in a senior position is a leader, unfortunately. I've seen it so many times where people that are have senior roles and 
they don't demonstrate leadership well at all. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to provide a definition that I think is going to go with that in just a minute. (laughs) Thank you for that. Steph, you are the business transformation coach (laughs) who's coaching (laughs) leaders all the time. You know, what are you seeing? What is seniority in a company? What do people think it is? I, I I actually agree with David and Shay. I think it's that it's all <laughs> the above. Um, what and I guess what I probably start with is what I believe it should be. Mm-hmm. What I believe it should be is a sort of a guide, a mentor, somebody who's experienced, um, somebody who commands respect because of that. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the hierarchy. But what generally happens is it is the hierarchy. It can tend to be the hierarchy within the organisation that propels people to that sort of scene as the seniors within the organisation. And I had, and, and I find a lot of leaders, when they get that senior seniority, and I'm not saying all leaders are like this because there's some really great leaders out there as well, is that for some people, seniority means power. Mm-hmm. And that's what I just absolutely don't like at all. And I've I've suffered quite a few times in my career by having leaders that expressed their leadership by power and that, and that, that if they had power over me as an individual, if they had power over the decision-making power, you know, that ultimately it's my decision and that's it, that sort of language... And and that's what we need to get out of the out of the workplace. And that's why I think sometimes that hierarchy is not very helpful. I think it's there, it's there to respect, show some respect, but I don't think you need it in terms of the, the, the importance of a person. It shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter. Yeah. And I think you brought up a couple of good points that I want to circle back on. I think, you know, you use the word power, but I also think we need to talk about the word ego. I also think that it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily the leader or the person in the seniority position. I think sometimes we also look at that senior leadership as having all the answers. <laughs> and I think sometimes we put ourselves in that position if we're a junior employee sort of looking at those senior leaders and we think they have all the answers and they don't necessarily have all the answers just like David has talked about, you know, through his journey of being a a leader. And so I think those are two very important points that I want to circle back. But before we do that, Cindy, what is seniority to you? Um, I think back uh, to when I started my career and seniority was probably more considered when someone had been, you know, at a company for a a length of time, longevity, that sort of thing. But um, as, uh, you know, um, times have changed over the years, I think it definitely has more to do with status rank um who is in um a higher level position that sort of thing to um sort of make the call uh for the team and that sort of thing and and it's it's just changed a bit over time and it, it's good to see that that's happening in some ways because um I mean, I've experienced situations where I've lost roles um, to people just for the simple fact that they'd been there longer than I have um, when it it really didn't make sense as a business decision. Um, And 
uh, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that as we're we're moving through uh, and and modernizing, we're more looking at who is the best person for the job, regardless of who they are, where they come from, um, what their background is, uh, you know, um, and and all the diversity inclusion pieces that go along with that. Um, mm -hmm. I we know women and people of color, minorities, everything, uh, anybody in, in a position that um, wasn't the normal VP looking position back in the day was often skipped over for positions, even if they were the best person for the job, mm -hmm. they were often the second uh, or or the next person in line um, for a really long time because they're the ones that did the, the, the work. Uh, mm -hmm. So I guess that's, um, I, I'm hoping that's changing. I see it a bit here and there. Yeah, we're and we're going to talk about whether that's a shift or not because I think as I was doing my research for this particular episode, discrimination, bias, those two words came up over and over and over again um as I was looking at seniority. But the definition that I came up that I had found is seniority is a privileged rank based on your continuous employment with a company. People who stay at the same company for long periods are rewarded for loyalty. I mean, <laughs> you know, if that doesn't scream discrimination and bias, um, I don't know what does. And to be honest with you, I didn't look to see uh, the year that this came out or, <laughs> you know, who wrote this particular definition. But I think in the discussion today, we need to rewrite that definition of what seniority and um, leadership in a company looks like. And I think, Shay, you came up with the great perspective, right? Seniority and leadership are two very different things. If you're not being promoted based on merit, <laughs> you might not have the leadership skills. And so what does that do for your business? What does that do for the people under you? What does that do for the team? The team gets burnt out. They're overworked. You know, there's a lot of different things that come to that one second step. And then there's the human element. You give somebody seniority, give somebody a title, you know, there's the power, the ego, we're all human. How do we get past that? Because that's what's really um, also contributing to the discrimination and the bias. Steph. A couple of comments I wanted to make on that actually. <laughs> One was, um, and David, you might um, relate to this, but um, I find in certain professions, and I've certainly found it in finance and accountancy, that the seniority was associated with how much experience you had at preparing a set of accounts or how many years you'd been able to do that. And you would get promoted and, and then and be, end up being in leadership, leadership positions because of your length of experience and not necessarily because of your skills to actually lead. And I know we took sort of leadership and seniority as sort of subtle differences, um, but that was prevalent in, in, in my industry, if you like, absolutely. Um, and I like to consider myself as being the, one of the exceptions to the rule there. Um, but one of the other things I wanted to say as well is that equally, I think there is some proactive bias as well around these things and and I certainly experienced where I, I was given a role and, and promoted into a role and it was great fantastic and then a few months later a flippant comment was made about oh you only got the job because you're a woman mm. and that was actually from the person that employed me who happened to be a man um 
you know, and it was, it was, how, I mean, it, it was devastating for me to hear that because for me, it was like, I'm, I'm again, a firm believer of you get the job because of your experience and, and that you deserve and you've got the skills to do the job and, and not for any other reason, really. Mm-hmm. So I well, just wanted I, to say no, that. I, I appreciate you for sharing that. And the, tr- and the weight of the truth that we put on something like that, that somebody has said, right. And how devastating that is when you've been given a role based on merit and somebody comes along and says that, you know, I think we also do it to each other, right. In ways that maybe we do it on purpose. Maybe we don't do it on purpose, but we got to think about what we're saying to people. You know, I, it's just crazy. So Shay, I want to come back to you because you made the distinction between leadership and seniority. And you actually said that leaders can be really in any role of a company. Talk to me through that. Um, and talk to me a little bit more how you see the difference between leadership and seniority and how people can actually empower. I think people can empower themselves no matter what role they're in. Um, so talk to us about that. So I think when you, when you have senior people that have been promoted based on the length of service in a, in a company, they often have really strong, hard skills as in they're really good at doing the operational work. They know how the company operates um, but they may not have some, some do, but they may not have the soft skills and it's the soft skills that are really important for leadership. You know, do people trust you? How do you communicate? Do you think innovatively? Are you, how's your problem solving your time management, all of those kind of personal characteristics that contribute towards, um, how your team views you. And when I say team, I don't mean reports. I mean, the people you work with, whether they at the same level, they're at a lower level, whether they're at a higher level. Um, And I think when you focus on people that are just senior and length of service, that can have a very bad and negative effect on innovation and capability, Mm -hmm. because that's what should be important. You know, you have some people that are more talented than others. Not everyone is great at their job. And I think people that are in leadership positions should or need to really recognize the, 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 the stars, the rising stars in the organization and who are contributing, who are really pushing the business forward. And those people should um, be, be recognized really specifically. They should be nurtured. They should be invested into. Um, and it shouldn't just be length of service. That I think length of service is important. Like there is a there is a part of that because mm-hmm. the longer you are at a company, there is some knowledge around how the organization operates. There's experience of the company. There's all these things that can be gained up that are valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shouldn't be the only thing that's focused on. Um, a, a leader in a, to me a great leader, and I've had fantastic leaders. I ha- I've had people who I would consider to be poor leaders. Um, are the ones that inspire their team to also be leaders, regardless of the position that they're in. And, you know, I get told all the time, Shay, you can manage up. Management is not just down. You can manage sideways. You can manage up. It's 360, right? Um, And what you said about kind of encouraging yourself and, and using your own kind of personal motivation to become a leader, that's, what I have done in my own career. I have chimed in when I've not been asked. I've said my piece, I've spoken up and I don't stop, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm not always right, but if I have a thought, I'm going to say it. 
because there might be value in it. And that's what it should always be about. It should be about how do you get the most value out of your people? Because that is how you really push your organization forward. Yeah. And there's always value in it. It's how the other person perceives it really. Right. And so we should be encouraging that. But I think there's a couple of things that you said there, you know, longevity of service, like you can do service awards. I mean, if they're not ready for a promotion, let's be honest, there's other ways of recognizing that, right? I think the other part of that too is those team members who are the stars, who are the leaders, they're not going to stick around. They're not going to stick around to do all of the work and get the burnout with no recognition and no promotion, especially the next generation that's coming into the, the um, business world right now. They have so many different priorities. They have so many different things that they want to do and they want to do it a little bit quicker than everybody else. No longer are we staying in a job for <laughs> 20 years and hoping, hoping to get that title. You know what I mean? So I think you, you brought up a couple of um, really great points. Do you have any stories that you want to share with us? Kind of like Steph just shared with us and the fact that she got promoted and then that person was like, well, you only got it because you're a woman. Have you ever ex had a story or an experience or seen something of somebody else that you want to share with us? I had a, the exact same uh, situation that Steph had where someone basically said to me, did I get promoted um, because I used the race card? And they asked you that? Absolutely, yes. And this was someone that I was trying to give advice and I was somewhat mentoring had asked me that. And it was a it was a woman. Um, and, you know, it's, so I, I think you do get those kind of comments. But on the on the flip side, I have had people in my in my team um, who have been fantastic leaders, like have have seen things in me before I've seen it in myself. Mm. You know, and that is, it's, it's invaluable to me. It's invaluable. You know, they invest in you so much um, and they push you to, to do things that you just feel at the time, what I at least thought at the time I was not capable of doing and they saw it. And wow. it's like, if they see it, then you ought to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I shouldn't be so shocked. I mean, I worked for a family business and I got all the time. Oh, well, you only got that because you're the daughter, you know, you only, but like I worked 12 hour days because I felt like I had to, you know, outwork everybody else to, for my worth, right. For people to see me as me and as a leader and as somebody who deserved to be there. And I got that all the time, but for me, I felt like it was par for the course. And now that we're talking about it, I'm like, no, like those people never should ask those questions. And they should have never have said that to me, really. I mean, this is kind of the discrimination and the bias that I feel like there is a generation that's kind of put up with it, right? And it's kind of been the norm. And we're like, oh, you know, it's par for the course. But no, that needs to stop. And it needs to stop today. David, I know you're chomping at the bit here. You've been writing notes. You want to you wanna <laughs> join in the, in the conversation? <laughs> I wasn't sure you saw my hand for a while there, Sarah, but, uh, but you did. Um, yeah, just a few thoughts, I guess, on, on a variety of those topics. I think, firstly, on that definition of seniority that you, that you used, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure all of us on the call and listening to the pod, you know, some problems with that immediately come to mind around <laughs> that's kind of, you know, you're rewarding the status quo. There's going to be groupthink from a kind of productivity and performance standpoint. It's the same old thinking for the same old problems. And 
And that's kind of just how things have been done for quite a while. And I think, um, but those, those fresh perspectives really are vital. Like bringing someone into a call or a problem that's had no experience with it to date. That is amazing to get those fresh perspectives. Like you, you will never solve new problems with the same old thinking. And I think, you know, the traditional idea of seniority, there's going to be that corporate group think if, if you're not really careful. And, and, and that idea of bringing fresh thinking in. And, and to link that to leadership, like Shay was saying, I mean, you know, that's similar in a way, really, I guess, that I think when you have one of your roles as a leader is absolutely mm -hmm. to, to be to be bringing in the next generation to take your role. In fact, you know, even in a practical sense, I can't really progress to another role myself until, until I've kind of helped someone progress into my role. And, and that's a really pivotal part of leadership, seniority, whatever you want to call it. And and that's tough because you know, you have to give these really talented people the tools and the space to do that and to really thrive. You essentially have to leave them to it and not try and be that sort of helicopter manager. I know we used to talk about helicopter parenting a few years ago. There's kind of helicopter management as well, I think. And, <laughs> and, and the single trickiest piece of that perhaps is by virtue of just getting more senior, your remit grows and Someone mentioned about, you know, there's this idea historically that you are the expert or oh, the senior person has spoken. That must be right. That's mm -hmm. so regressive because if anything, you know, the opposite needs to be true. If if I'm the expert on all the areas that are in my function, then I'm doing something seriously wrong. I'm probably irritating the hell out of people in my team because I should not be the expert. They should be the expert. And but to do that, you've got to accept quite a lot of vulnerability, I guess. You, you've got to accept that. C-level leadership might come to you and say, hey, David, what's going on here? You've got to accept that you might have to say, do you know what? I think it's blah, 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 but let me check with my team. You've got to accept there's some vulnerability in not knowing the answers. But that's essential because otherwise otherwise you're going to be restricting the people below you. So I think it's um, it's it's an easy thing to talk about in terms of seniority, good leadership, but it takes a lot of bravery. And I think my own personal challenge is... I'm naturally a rescuer, I think. If I see someone struggling or if I see silence in a meeting room, I'll happily speak up and fill that space. But then again, I'm quite often the more senior person on that call. I've killed any innovation in that room stone dead because they've just heard what I said. Right. And, but it's really hard not to do that. <laughs> so we're all we're all learning. And that's someone I was talking to someone recently and they were talking about this, um, about seniority and certainly um uh, Mary, Marianne Seagart, who wrote a great book called The Authority Gap, was saying that when men come up with an idea, the same idea that a woman maybe came up with is way more likely to be accepted. And, and I was listening to all this thinking without, you know, of course, without meaning to, I am that male rescuer coming in and, like I say, killing all the innovation off in that room because they've heard the most senior person speak, never mind a white male in the, in the more senior position. So it's really tough. I think it's probably to summarize what I've just said. But awareness is the key to change. And so yeah. for you sharing that with us today leads the way for other people in your position that have that privilege, et cetera, et cetera, to look at themselves and be aware of what they're doing. And then the impact from there is that we can start seeing the change. And that's why this yeah. is so important. Like I have white males coming to me and saying, I shouldn't be on blended. 
And I'm like, no, like you absolutely need to be on the show because we need to hear from you. You cannot stay silent anymore about what you're seeing and what we need to change. And so I appreciate you for sharing that. And I think one of the things that you said was vulnerability. And so what Shay is talking about managing up, I think the other part that I mentioned earlier is that we're looking at senior leaders and we're thinking that they have all the answers. But if you as a senior leader came to your team and said, listen, I don't know very much about this or, you know, this is not something or a topic that I really know a lot about. I think we can talk about it as a team or maybe as a team, we can go research it, come up with, you know, what all of this means for us. And then we can come to the table and talk about it. Those are key discussions that we need to be having with the junior people on our team so that they don't look at senior leaders and be like, they have all the answers, you know, I can't help. And that's also stifling innovation as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, exactly. Like, I think awareness is key, but, you know, the how, the, how can you engineer that sort of internal challenge, that innovation Um is also really key and and yeah me saying to the team you know i'm not sure if this is the right thing to do yeah. you know i want you to challenge my ideas that has some impact but if i've already presented some ideas the reality is that i've already kind of led the conversation the yeah. the, the tough thing like you say is to leave is is to is to shut up actually quite frankly sometimes <laughs> and, and i find that quite difficult <laughs> shay yeah, I, I'm just thinking because um, I had this, I used to have this thing where um, in my one-to-ones with my manager, I would share all the ideas. I like just, they would come out quicker than sometimes I can even, my mouth and speak. Um, and in meetings, I would say nothing. Um, but this particular manager knew my strengths, knew the ideas I was coming up with. So sometimes she would say, oh, Shay had an idea. And so she would she would let everyone else know that this is coming from a junior person. Um, sometimes she also, you know, at the time I hated it, but she put me on the spot and would say, Shay, what was that thing you mentioned to me in the call? And she would draw it out of me publicly in the team. Um, that really helped me build the confidence to speak up, which now I really speak too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think that's really a nice important. thing. Um that's a nice thing that comes with seniority actually isn't it Shay that, that you said there about you were put on the spot you were uncomfortable you hated it at the time and but you know once you've done that once the fear factor starts to go away and I think that's that's a that's a sort of unfair advantage with formal seniority too that that you have and, and I see it again in my career that five years ago I would have been afraid to challenge a, a C-level leader on something I would have been nervous about speaking out something else it's um, one of the superpowers that comes with formal seniority is lots of that fear disappears and yeah. trying to empower people across the organization with that fearlessness is is really powerful as well. And once you've done it once, I guess you weren't as afraid the next time. No, I mean, I, I was, I mean, she done it multiple times. It took a while, but I think the other <laughs> thing is the other thing also is to um, make sure the team know that anyone can have an idea about anything. You don't, you don't only have to just give ideas in your remit or in your area. Sometimes I've never been a salesperson, but I have a lot of sales ideas, <laughs> you know, and, and it's okay because we all have our own minds. We aren't just, we aren't defined by what we do. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's an important part too. Yeah. Steph has been nodding her head nonstop. <laughs> you guys can't see it, but I know she wants to jump in. So Steph. <laughs> 
Well, yes, so everything you've said really resonates with me. And I think um, one of the things for me about leadership is to really work closely with the dynamics of the people in your team and the strengths of those people. And, and we often compartmentalise, I think. So you may have a team of sort of five people that, you know, all got the same job description or job title, but actually in the individuals within those five roles have all got very different skill sets. And so being a leader that's not afraid of actually switching things up and switching things around so that you actually are really making that team work better for you because the person is thriving at the thing that they're strongest at. Mm -hmm. And then linked to that is actually encouraging that openness of conversation and having regular meetings and, and, and like David was saying, try not to actually be putting the words in their mouths, but having that sort of just open, okay, what are we going to do about this then? How do, how do we start to even solve this problem? Um, and it's easy as a leader to actually sort of like jump in with those solutions, but just giving them that voice and having that sort of forum where they can actually openly discuss um, what they think as well. Yeah. But being mindful of you're always going to have characters within that dynamics of where there's always going to be the stronger people in the team that are always going to want to have their voice heard but part of the leadership skill should be that you know how to and learn how to manage that situation so that everybody gets their equal voice mm -hmm. and one of the things that you said there I think looking at people holistically right somebody could be in a role but uh it might not be the role for them and so being able to provide your team an opportunity to try different things um, cause there's some things that they like, there's some things that they don't like, how do we make it so that it's, it's really where they're thriving, like you said. Um, but it's also about looking at somebody holistically. And I interviewed somebody, I don't know, it's gotta be like two and a half years now. And he said that he had somebody on his team that liked to play guitar. So they had events or they would go out as a team or they would give him the opportunity to bring the guitar to work. And on lunchtime, he would play his guitar and everybody got to enjoy the music. He had time for himself and doing something that he really enjoyed that wasn't necessarily work related, but mm -hmm. it's about really getting to know your team on a holistic basis. And what is it that they like to do at work? What is it that they like to do outside of work? And maybe there's a way of, you know, figuring out what that can look like um, and bringing everybody together that way. Now, mm -hmm. I want to get into power, ego, title. I think there's a lot to unpack there. But before I do, um, I think there's a lot of, we've been talking about seniority in a workplace, but I think seniority can obviously look um, look different across organizations, especially now that we've got the gig economy, right? We've got a lot of freelancers. We've got a lot of people who have transitioned from full-time into consulting, right? We're hiring a lot more consultants. We're doing some outsourcing. Um, we've got freelancers. I've got a team of freelancers. And so seniority looks a little bit differently because they're a business owner, but then in your business, they could potentially be like an operations manager and they're helping to manage your team. Um, so Shay, I know you've got some um, key points around this. So talk to us about, you know, <laughs> how that looks and you know how it sort of changes that the dynamic or maybe the way that we we talk about or see seniority yeah i think you know on the subject of 
mothers returning to work for example that return part-time my sister-in-law has recently just gone back to work part-time and how she's viewed is is definitely changed um you know she's she's not people don't ask her or go to her as as often as they used to for uh solutions when they have problems like she's not looked at as someone that can resolve as much as she used to Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you know, she's only in part time. She won't have the time to do this. She won't have the energy to do this um, when she's a really hard worker. And she's, you know, always demonstrated that she will get get the job done and she can get the job done. Um, and it was her choice to go back to part time, you know, and maintain the same level of responsibilities that she has. So she's lost trust in people, in the people that she works with mm-hmm. because she's now part time. And, you know, it's affecting the way she's viewed and treated. So I, I do think that the idea of being a part-time worker, mm-hmm. you know, is it shouldn't have any effect on how you are viewed, your contributions, your talents, your skills. Mm-hmm. It should have absolutely no effect on that. But and unfortunately it does. Yeah, and it's an interesting point, right? Because then you get, like, you could have a title for a senior manager. You could work part-time, but there's bias and discrimination around that. You know, it could be that you are a mother returning to work. It could be that you've had an illness. And so people look at you as less than or maybe a disability, right? So you could have that title, but people can look at you very, very differently. Yeah, you're not treated as a senior person and and everyone deserves respect regardless of your level, right? Mm -hmm. But you are not seen that way because if you, you know, senior people should be full-time and they should be working 15 hours a day and on the weekends. And there's this perception of what it means to be a senior leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and the working part-time doesn't quite fit in that box um, for some people. Yeah. And it causes discrimination. Yeah. David, what do you think? Yeah, I was just thinking about a perspective from the sort of corporation side of the fence that the, the whole on-demand workforce, gig workforce, freelancers, etc. That's an area that I've thought about a lot and met a lot of people around from with my sort of Logitech procurement hat on. Mm-hmm. And it's so potentially powerful. Like there's there's great opportunities for talent from from uh, non-traditional backgrounds or underrepresented groups. There's such great opportunities for them to work with corporations. There's such great opportunities for corporations to get you know, those really good workers and that really good skill base working with them. And, you know, everyone knows about the benefits of freelancers in terms of speed to impact and total cost of ownership, et cetera. There's all really great things to happen there. But I think the structural challenge that a lot of us are having and a a connection of mine uh, was the CEO of a a sort of high consulting level on demand, um, on demand workforce player, and she's phrased it to me as saying the single biggest inhibitor to her company's revenue growth is that the vast majority of corporations are not set up around the projectization. That's a tough word to say on the podcast. Projectization of, of work that we're very much back to that seniority idea. We're a we're a team of internal people that do this. We're a hierarchy of people that do this. And and that's true. And, you know, that's true for us, too. And. If you're that structure, those project-based work opportunities will always be sporadic and a bit here and a bit ad hoc there. Um, so I think it's a really hot topic. It's talked about a lot. It's a great vehicle to work with 
with people like I say from those underrepresented backgrounds and and yeah there's wonderful opportunities you can imagine to work with with uh, with refugees uh, from a freelancing basis and all this sort of stuff but the single biggest thing to work out is a really big one and it's the structural idea that most corporations are not set up to do that yet and mm -hmm. and and it's really tough so there's that structure and then probably that structure bakes into that mindset that Shay was talking about as well I think yeah, I think there's also another component that I'll touch on in a second. I just want to give Steph uh, an opportunity to weigh in here. Yeah, and I, I think what Shay was saying about um, her, was it your sister-in-law? Sorry, your sister-in-law. And the, the effect that it's had on her, my, my sort of gut reaction was instantly to think, well, who, who the person who's leading that team, what are they doing to actually stop this because and and in my experience it's probably the leader is probably feeling that way about her themselves which in itself is part of the problem so mm -hmm. it, you know it does come back to that what what message of the leadership is the leadership actually giving in that situation as well so um, my question to that then because i've been holding on to this one for a while what is the responsibility of other senior leaders or other leaders in an organization against other leaders in holding accountability and holding space for accountability, right? Because that's what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, my, I suppose my, my utopia for an organization is that you, you have a leadership. I think leaders should be coaches and that if leaders started to lead as a coach, the way that we all work would be a much better place. And then I, and I mean that in terms of the whole spectrum of coaching and, and um, really working with people to help them thrive in their roles, but also thrive throughout the organization. And if we've, we've, we've got leaders that coach throughout from the very top all the way through, throughout the organization, it life would just be better for everybody. And all these things that we've been talking about that, are coming into play that are behaviors that we none of us really want in an organization mm -hmm. um would 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 reduce but i also think that it's also time to actually think about the leaders that you do have in your organization and if you've got leaders that don't want to do that and this comes back to the experience and the seniority then you need to question why you've still got those people in your organization well, and David, I'm going to send this to you. Whose responsibility is it to keep leaders accountable? Because, yeah, I think a majority of what we've been talking about today is keeping ourselves as leaders accountable. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. But the like, majority of people aren't necessarily going to do that. And if they don't, who on the leadership is responsible to hold each other accountable so that we can get through something? Like, we can get through this. We can increase the communication we can make sure that seniority and leadership is doing what they need to do for the people that surround them yeah i think i mean first point that would come to my mind is that it has to come from the very top in the sense of the the leader or the ceo of the organization mm -hmm. every organization has a culture in some cultures those sort of behaviors are maybe more accepted than others perhaps i mean in, in some industries even it's, it's kind of expected or or allowed I don't think there's any space for that anymore. And, and that can come direct from the from the CEO to set that culture, to set what's acceptable, to make those sort of behaviors. Um, 
and then I think with with our peers, we can we can certainly call each other out on it. And and when we're when we're in when we're in scenarios where say we are the more senior person and our team are our, our team are in uh, are in a meeting, you know, we can call out we can call out these scenarios too. I, I think I think the sort of evolution with a lot of this stuff was you know, over the years. From the dark ages, there was lots of bad things happening. Then it was a bit more about, okay, my individual responsibility is to try and act as, as fair as I can. And now we're in this enlightened era that, you know, that isn't enough. I, I have an influence and a power and a, and a privilege. Just doing that within my own self is great. But but if I see, if I see poor behaviours beyond that, then it's my responsibility to act on it too. And, and again, back to my example of, um, of when... There's examples when women present an idea and it gets shot down and then a man says the same idea, 10 minutes later it gets accepted. You know, that's an obvious example where the leader can say, oh, well, Sarah, Steph, whoever it may have been, I, I really liked it when you presented that idea, ignoring the fact that Ted, Jeff, John, whoever it is, <laughs> says it 10 minutes later. So I think it really has to come from the top, first of all, but then everyone in a position of leadership um, is responsible for it too, not only of their own, but also within their network. So I'm going to challenge that a little bit because Shay brought up the idea earlier about managing up. How much of a responsibility does your team have to say, hey, you know, I don't like what you're saying there. It feels biased or discriminatory. Yeah. But I I mean, in a way, that's the holy grail, isn't it? That's, um, that's uh, more junior people feeling empowered and they feel that they're allowed to challenge more senior people in the, in the environment they're in. That is the holy grail. But I... what's the reception of that? And that's this is this is another part of a conversation of being a leader and seniority. And Shay, I want to bring you into this part of the conversation because it's one thing to feel empowered. It's one thing to be able to say that. It's another as a leader to be able to have that conversation where everybody leaves feeling okay about it because yeah. that even for me, can be very difficult at times. So Shay. So I agree with David, definitely top down to start off with. I think that there is a responsibility on uh, HR or the people people teams um, who are responsible for ensuring that the culture is enforced. Um, and there should be processes that are set up to allow staff members to anonymously report incidents Ooh, or okay. behavior. Because yes, Managing up is important. It's a really important skill to have. However, I understand why a lot of people, myself included at times, have felt fear of backlash. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what happens if I speak up? Is that going to be grounds for me to be fired? And or is, I may not going to have access to future opportunities. You know, how does this how is this going to impact my my job and therefore my livelihood? Um, so that fear can prevent people from speaking up. So having an anonymous way to raise concerns um, is really important. And HR or people teams need to make sure that that is in place for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a, an interesting um, idea from a, a peer of mine who uh, talked about the leaders in their organization being uh, targeted and bonuses being attached to the performance um, or the ratings of their team members, right? So the, the team would rate their, their manager and score their manager on a number of different criterias and that directly impacted their manager's bonus, mm -hmm. you know, and how, how, more, how much more impact can you create from that? I mean, that puts the people 
in your team members like it gives them all the control it's fantastic mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you bring up a good point around the safe space and being able to contribute um, anonymously, because you're right, there are a inherent bias on a variety of different levels. If I were to speak up and say, hey, I don't feel like you're respecting me right now. And I have not felt safe to be able to tell you how I felt for the last three months. As a leader in and a senior position, how do you deal with that? You know, do people, the, do the people teams need to get involved? Does HR need to get involved? Um, is that going to change the way the leader perceives me? Like you said, am I going to miss out on opportunities? Hopefully not, but we're also human beings. <laughs> and it's definitely something that's very, very prominent that we have to think about. But if we're able to do that potentially anonymously, and give feedback anonymously. That's where I feel in my own personal experience that the magic happens. Steph? Um, I, I agree. And I had something that um, did happen to me actually um, in, and I, because I'd been bullied previously in my career, I sw swore to myself I'd never let it happen again. And this incident happened at work. And I reported that the very senior individual um, and the relationship that, that I had with that individual after that event was never, ever the same. Mm -hmm. And and which, which you'd expect, but I, I almost, I wouldn't have said it was a cover-up because they did deal with it very, you know, reasonably well. Um, but I think the organisation was actually shocked that a senior person like myself would actually do that to another another uh, leader in the organisation. And it sort of sent a few ripples and I think they were quite scared. But um, but I think that anonymous piece would be really good as well to be able to do that. But it would it has to, there needs to be action that follows from it though, because if people do that and they do sort of whistleblow, you, you can't then just ignore it. Otherwise people just won't, won't do it. Mm-hmm. David, <laughs> I can yeah. see the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just thinking to myself that that it's a challenge, isn't it? And I think um, if if you're getting called out on, it's easier around business decisions. Maybe if someone thinks your decision on a sort of business level is is a poor decision, mm -hmm. no one likes being called out and saying, Do you know what, I think you're wrong, or I think that's a stupid idea, or whatever. No one likes that, <laughs> and you know you have to take it on the chin at the time, and and it may impact your your short-term relationship but of course what it should do is be a positive in the in the long run in the sense that you know what if Sarah thinks I'm talking nonsense she'll call me out on it even though maybe I'm her manager she's she's got the the gumption to say you know what that's that's crazy what are you talking about we should do this and and that should be rewarded I think I think one of the challenges is it takes yeah I was talking about vulnerability earlier I think maybe bravery doesn't quite feel the right word but it takes it takes quite a lot for a manager to say, do you know what, Sarah's always busting my chops, but she's probably right, actually, because some of my ideas are a bit crap. You should be rewarding that. But it's actually it's a big ask in some cases. For It's a tough one for people to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that's easier with business decisions, of course. I, I think with, with more with more with more kind of what would you call it, serious or 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 abhorrent sort of behaviors, then then, yeah, of course. 
I think it has to go beyond just that person and the team. And and that's when I think there is there, there is definitely a role for the wider organization to play. And, and that's a different that's a different setup entirely. But I think the more common, probably minor examples of it are when you are challenged, it's a tough one to say, yeah, do you know what? I am wrong. You mm-hmm. are right. I think your idea is right. They're the sort of people you want in their team. But on some human nature level, you're almost saying, oh no, do you know what? She's always busting my chops. Do I really have to have her in my team? But actually the opposite should be the case. Yeah. And so that brings me to the one point that I keep bringing up, but I say that we're going to talk about later. And that's the power and the ego question. It's the title question. You know, do we put too much on titles? I mean, Steph said earlier, she doesn't like to identify. She doesn't like labels. Well, a title is a label. And, you know, the hierarchy is it necessary? I don't know. Are titles the solution? I don't know. I mean, if you lose a title and you lose, potentially you lose your job, you lose a title, people's mental health goes completely down the toilet because you're no longer a VP of something. And that, therefore that means you have no longer any worth in this world. And so are we our own worst enemy? We're given a title. We're given seniority. With that comes privilege. With that comes opportunity for promotion. With that comes more vacation than everybody else. And with that potentially comes power and ego. So let's talk about that. Do we do we need titles? Why are we letting this define us? Is it a culture thing? Is it something that somebody came up with, you know, a hundred and something years ago and we're still going along with it? And what needs to change? So some very, very big questions there, I know. So Shay, I'm going to start with you. What do you think? I think titles from the perspective of um, communicating what you do and your areas of responsibility to the external community that you like your customers, your your vendors, you know, the, the companies you interact with. I think that's important. You know, it's important to for people to know that, oh, I need to speak to for example, in my case, the events person that I know who I need to speak to, right? Um, I think then there can be more can be done in terms of um, allowing people to choose their own title or to contribute to what that title is. I don't think this idea of like you just get given a title and you have no say in the word in. You should be able because you know it it's, it represents you are essentially represented. It represents who you are. So you should have a say in your title, regardless of your level. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think title is important also on the level of accountability and responsibility. Like the buck has to stop somewhere, right? And and hierarchy is important in that sense. And you are going to have people that are more experienced, people that are less experienced. And it's important for junior people when they enter the company to know where they can go to for resources and for knowledge and support based on people that have done, have had the experience. Um, so it's important, but I do think that it's the, the, the ego and the power side of it, that if we could let that go, and if title can really just be for the purpose of identification, um, then I think we'll be onto something. I think it can really make a positive change in just the working environment and culture within most organizations. Um, Yeah. And empowering people, right? I mean, when you lose a title, like I said earlier, your mental health 
Like we put so much onus on this title that if you are no longer a VP of whatever, that you don't have any worth anymore. Like, how did we do this to ourselves? How did we come to this particular position? Steph? I agree a lot with what Shay was saying. Um, and much so, I guess, don't like labels and titles. I think that in an organization to have something that does indicate what you do in terms of your role within the organization is quite helpful. Um, I also think that it's helpful outside of the organization in terms of recruitment, because if you know that somebody's achieved a certain level within an organization, it's then easier to recognize that when you're recruiting either way, effectively, in terms of the experience that they've potentially had from having that title. Um, but I also think it's very, it can be very linked to remuneration as well. And so there's a lot of organizations that you can only have a certain title if you reach a certain, you know, salary tier or a scale within the organization. And so they use that to differentiate salary and it helps you within the organization to understand a bit better about where you fit within that overall scaling system as well. So, yeah. I think um, about when I, when we're talking about this, I think about sales, like every salesperson on the face of this planet is a business development manager <laughs> because they have to be a business development manager for people to actually listen to them. Yeah. When they're really not. Yeah, no, exactly. And I certainly don't think that it should indicate power, a title at all. And if somebody uses that to uses that title to give them give themselves power, then that's completely wrong. But as a society, we've kind of done that. And so mm -hmm. I think then the next part of this discussion, I'm going to go to David first, is how do we unravel that? What do we want the future to look like? So David, talk to us about the stuff that we were talking about before. Yeah, I think some thoughts I was having is that, you know, much as we may not like them, you do need titles of one form or another. You do need hierarchies of one form or another, because ultimately organizations need to be able to make decisions. You need to have a structure that helps you make decisions. And and quite often, the quicker you can make those decisions, the better. You know, after we're not talking about country clubs here. An organization is a, is a business that needs to make decisions. So you do need titles of one of one form or another. Um, but absolutely agree with uh, Steph and, and Shay that, that ultimately, what should a title do? It should be telling people within the business and potentially outside the business, what does that person do? What's their sort of sphere of influence? What do I need to go and talk to Steph about, Shay about, Sarah about? That sort of stuff. Um, it starts getting regressive when it's, oh, this person's the director of procurement, but this person's the VP of procurement. All right, oh, okay, so that, that's the real big cheese I need to go and talk to. That's when it starts getting regressive, I think. Um, so, but there, there is a need for titles, um, but it does create some challenges, doesn't it? In terms of, you need to be able to have communication open as if there are no titles and hierarchies and as, as, as if there isn't difference in seniority. And, and one anecdote I heard, it was a good few years ago now, and I'll, I'll probably get the details wrong, but you'll, you'll get the point. I think it was the Israeli Air Force example that I'm gonna give. So a very hierarchical structure, an air force of, of an armed forces. And they each, of course, have one, two, three, four bars on their arm. Incredibly hierarchical. And they had this process of, 
Um, every now and then they'd take off their official uniform just and they'd have a t-shirt underneath or whatever. They'd go into that room and then they're just four or five people with a white t-shirt on talking it out, whatever they're talking about. And then when they get back out of that room, they'll put their different tops on. One person has four bars, three bars, five bars. And, and that's a great anecdote in the sense that we need these things, but they can also be really, um, you know, negative influences. We need to find a way of managing that on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe it's practices such as, you know, open forums that take off this shirt of rank and I can say to someone, I think you're being a complete bleep. We, we need to find ways about cutting through some of that stuff that comes with it. But mm -hmm. ultimately, a business does need to make decisions and hierarchies are very helpful for that, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's how we use them, how we view them, how we talk about them. I also think that potentially some of the solution to this could be training for leaders and people of seniority in a company. And when I talk about training, I'm not talking about necessarily, um, you know, skills like the hard skills. I'm talking about some of the soft skills. How do we get them to look at their title a little bit differently? Take the power out. Right. If somebody's looking at it as a power trip and that they have power over other people, how do we teach them <laughs> to maybe reel that in and and lead without that power, lead without the ego? Um, and I also think mental health. Right. So that if they do lose their job and that title is taken away, it's an easier transition for them from a mental perspective to be able to do that. Um, and so I think there's a lot that can be done. I think there's a lot of change that we can make. Um, I think there's a lot of change that needs to be made. I mean, we talk about, you know, recruitment, we talk about hiring, we're talking about titles, we're talking about how do we view them? How do we have conversations about them? How do we let people say something about somebody anonymously? So let's talk about um, some solutions. What are some of the solutions? What are some of the things that we can do as individuals? What are some of the things that we can do as senior leaders? Or what are some of the things that we can do as the organization as a whole? Shay? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is reverse mentoring. Mm. Um, you know, some companies, you know, S&P Global has a reverse mentoring program. Um, and senior leaders uh, are mentored by junior staff and uh, for a series of weeks um, so that they can have the perspective of uh, what the junior people are thinking, what they need, what they're looking for, um, how they would like to be led. Um, and it's it's very, very positive. Um, it, it, what it also does is it makes leaders more aware of the rising stars Mm -hmm. um, and the potential future leaders in the organization. Um, because of course, you know, the program, for example, if it's six weeks, after that six weeks, you stay in touch, you build a relationship. And now that junior person hopefully has a, has a sponsor or has a coach or has a mentor. Um, and that relationship, you know, will, will continue to last. So that's a very hands-on tangible solution that companies can think about doing, um, bottom-up approach. Um, but I also think that every leader should think about how they are um, getting the most out of their people. And are they encouraging their people to also be leaders? Everyone should be a leader. You should be leading. By su in some degree, there should be leadership there. Mm -hmm. um, and leadership isn't just about, um, you know, making decisions and authority, but it's also how are you viewed in the organization? Are you liked? Do people trust you? 
Do people um, go to you for advice and solutions? Do they come to you with their ideas? Do they feel like you're you're open, you're available? Um, do they feel like you're helpful, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to help them. I mean, there's just so many different aspects to leadership away from just to kind of, you know, do this, do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two things I would say are the other solutions is bringing, bringing the best out of your staff and encourage them to be leaders, but also reverse mentoring. Awesome. I also think, you know, rethinking the promotion process, right? Rethinking how we're looking at that individual, you know, who's involved in that decision. Why are we promoting that person? What are the hard skills? What are the soft skills? What are the things that we need to do to invest in them to make sure they're the leader that we want them to be the senior leader? David, what do you think the solution is? What can we do? A uh, few thoughts, Sarah, I think in terms of probably the sim- simpler answer in terms of what we can do and sort of things that I've seen and, and felt benefit from. Certainly, I think the reverse mentoring that Shay said is a good one. That whole idea of a 360 feedback from 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 above someone in the, in the organization, below that person in the organization and, and also their peers um, is really powerful. Just, and, you know, asking asking the right questions, of course, as well. Like, do any, anyone can do that, but I think what do you ask is also really important and and maybe the simpler, the better in terms of things like, you know, what should I be doing? What am I doing that I should stop doing? Or or maybe what should I do more? You know, really, really leave it open to, to get that feedback. I think that's really powerful. Um, other examples that I've seen on a wider scale that really get the pulse um, of a department or a function or even the whole organization is around things like uh, anonymous feedback, um, sense of inclusion in an organization and asking questions exactly around that. Do do you feel like there are development opportunities for you at your organization? I think really asking en masse on a sort of anonymous way, um, those sort of questions is really powerful um, because otherwise it, it can become it's hard to get development opportunities across the whole organization. It can, it can end up being just a sort of director level and above that you might have visibility. Um, how do you make sure that people below that re- really get absorbed in? And then, and then I think that's the easier part of the what, like I said, in terms of, in terms of behaviors and sort of how you can behave and things, it's, it's interesting. We were talking about journey and just an, an awareness and a memory of your own journey I think is really important that, yeah, at certain times of your career, you would have that fear of, oh, wow, I can't speak up in this meeting in front of Steph, uh, like you were saying, Shay. Once you've done that a few times, you think, well, actually, (laughs) I can, and I enjoy it, and I'm going to do it more. I think, you know, when you've been on that journey for 10, 15, 20 years, it's all too easy to forget what the younger you would have been thinking. So I think always be thinking about that sort of younger you. And and again, on behaviours, um, and even I was mentioning this earlier on about the importance of fresh perspectives. If it's just the same people thinking about the same problems, you'll just get pretty boring answers. Welcoming in those fresh perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a hell of a behavior to master. Um, you know, join join a call, virtual or in person, listen to Shay coming in, she's brand new to it all. It's almost human nature to be thinking she's gonna come up with some idea that I thought of 10 years ago. It's not gonna work, blah, blah, blah. Allowing yourself to be open. To, to these new perspectives is so much easier said than done. So I think there's there's a what in terms of this, but also, you know, the what won't work unless there's a kind of a how or a behavior kind of foundation to it too. Um, and there, there's a and that's tough. 
Yeah. And I think there's a commitment to training on these types of things that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. That leaders don't have potentially access to or think they have access to or even know where to go for it. Right. And and uh, so thank you for that, David. Steph, what do you think is is the solution or what can we think about? For me, it's basically creating a people first organization and always putting your people first. Um, and, you know, it does start with the, the leadership and a bit harsh. But if you've got a CEO that doesn't do that, is it the right person to be leading the organization? Because Ooh, we that's a tough one. <laughs> it is, it is. But, right. but you know, if, because, if, you know, we talked about putting some of these things in place, but if they're not, if they don't live and breathe that every day throughout the culture of the organization, you're never going to change the organization. So true. It's so true. And this whole, whole culture, and there's a sort of saying that I often say, which is never knowingly let a colleague fail. And that cuts across the whole organization. So, you know, as, as a CEO, don't let your CEO fail. Don't let your C-suite fail. And collectively, everybody in the organization has, can contribute towards that. And, but it does start by those soft skills in in terms of the leadership and the leadership being trained for those soft skills. But when I think about this in terms of my own experience and my own um, organization and what I do now, I keep, I always think about some of the people that I worked with along my career. And I often think to myself, there are a lot of the leaders out there now that probably don't realize or would not accept that they actually have, don't have the right leadership skills mm -hmm. and that's the one that I struggle with in terms of how do you you know I go out there with 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 my programs and I'm people are like oh I don't need that I'm great I'm a, I'm a fantastic right. leader so how, how do we get around that mm -hmm. I think I think awareness is key and I think the more that people that are around that person who are aware and can talk about it anonymously or be able to share um, will definitely open people's eyes. So I have loved this conversation. I think that we could probably talk on this for way longer than this. You have each contributed so very much. What is one thing that you would like the audience to walk away from this discussion, thinking, putting into action, um, whatever it is that you would like somebody to take away? David, I'm going to start with you. Oh, wow. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Um, I would I say... Like every time I call on David, nobody can see his face but us, but he looks so stressed out. <laughs> I, I was hoping for that extra minute or two of thinking time, uh, but I've managed to buy myself another 30 seconds at least. I would say, I think, a variety of things. I think, yeah, awareness is a topic we've, we've spoken about a lot. I think that's going to be true right from the start of your career through to the end, I think. Um, taking it from the early days of your career, be, be aware that whoever you're working for in an intern role or whatever it might be, for that business to benefit most from you, they want you to be that person that is coming in with, with, with those new ideas, those, those kind of challenging status quos. But also be aware that that's really difficult when you're coming in as a 20-something intern. Like, it's a scary place to be. Um, mm -hmm. But do it in the appropriate way, but do speak out. That's how you will get the impact. And, and hopefully your, your your manager at the time will support that. So I think really be, be aware of, you know, and own your own development, really. Like I say, get, get in those uncomfortable 
if you're feeling slightly uncomfortable, that's you're doing something new. That's all really golden for, for your career. Incredibly difficult in the early days, of course. And then, and then as you do progress and develop, and maybe you do get this inherited seniority of sort of formal, formal hierarchies like we were talking about, again, awareness, and I, I have to constantly remind myself of this, remember what, what it was like when you were that 20-year-old, terrified of a group meeting, didn't want to speak up. Make sure you empower those people, because they, they may well give you the one silver bullet that you've been missing. So I, I, think, I think awareness... And, and use your position, whether it be at the most junior or the most senior, use your position to ensure that everyone in that organisation is is really able to aspire to what they want to do and, and make the biggest impact. I, th- I think that's the constant throughout your career, really. Awesome. Thank you for that. Steph, what's one people one thing that you would like people to walk away from this discussion with? I would say that every individual can be the one that makes a difference in an organisation. And I would say... Be, be the leader that you want your leader to be. Oh, I like that. Now, Shay, I am leaving you the last word. Goodness, how do I top that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I think for me, it's, I'm just going to speak to the junior people now. Um, your senior people are not always the experts. Their knowledge is often wide, but not deep. You can be an expert, you can be a leader, put yourself out there, have the confidence. I know there's spotlight effect, which makes us think everyone is always watching us and there's a spotlight on us. But most of the time, you're only about two minutes of someone's day and they've moved on and they've forgotten. So just don't worry. Just just go for it. Don't worry. Be happy. I love that. Thank you so much. I mean, we've covered so much ground today and we've heard from a variety of different perspectives. Um, you know, and I think that's where the magic happens is bringing together different perspectives, different voices to be able to talk about topics like seniority and, you know, is it discrimination? Is it bias? How do we get through that? How do we work through that? What are the solutions? What do we want to see for the future of business, of organizations, especially with the next generation coming in and, you know, enlightening us all, right? Um, So I encourage everybody to, uh, if you've got anything that you'd like to contribute, reach out to David, Steph, Shay, myself, or Cindy on uh, social media and uh, give us a shout. And we will see you on the next episode of Blended, which will be episode 37. I'll be bringing together another group of amazing people sharing their perspectives, being brave, having the courage and uh, showing up to be on Blended Podcast. So thank you to David, Steph and Shay for contributing as well as Cindy. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.